Please turn with me in the few Bibles, Matthew the seventh chapter, beginning to read at the seventh verse. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. For what man of you, if his son asks him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. For this is the law and the promise. Amen. just heard some of the words which Jesus spoke, which Matthew has pulled together in what some commentators call the Sermon on the Mount, and he ends with this particular phrase which we have heard today, and which has been known since the 17th century as the Golden Rule, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Or as one place as the Living Bible paraphrases it, treat others as you would want them to treat you. That's the great rule. We know it, not quite sure we understand it, and the goal and purpose of this sermon is to help each one of us to take and we look at the golden rule and to see it in all of its glory and splendor and shining power. No one yet has been able to fully comprehend the simplicity and the complications involved in this great teaching, but you can only grow in its understanding as you're willing to listen to it and look at it and allow its luster and beauty and power to penetrate and make a difference in your life. So much is involved in this simple sentence, so much. Before you can really understand it, you have to know how you want other people to treat you. Before you can do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you, you really have to know what it is you want other people to do unto you. Before you can treat others, you must know how you want them to treat you. Now, how do you want people to treat you? Those who make a study of such things and who try to systemize our thinking into some compact form claim, whether we know it or not, that there are five things most of us want to receive 
some other people. You know what they are? The first is encouragement. We are people who need the support of other people. Consequently, each one of us wants encouragement from other people. And you know that's true. It's so much easier to attain goals in life when we know that other people are with us. Whether it be a slap on the back, words of hope, or a smile of confidence, when you know that other people are pulling for you, when others want to do as much as they can to help you, you find a response that brings happiness and joy. One thing that each one of us wants is for other people to treat us with encouragement. Second, we want appreciation. We like to be appreciated, so do I. We are individuals who need appreciation. William James has said that the deepest principle in all of human nature is the craving for recognition. Do you realize that that particular desire that you have to be appreciated, to be recognized, noticed, that's greater in you than is even the desire to make money or to gain material gains or gold? That's a very strong drive, and it's not all wrong. It's that particular desire for appreciation that enables us to, to do a good job, to perform successfully in our undertakings. It's the motivator that, that enables us to be good parents and good church members. It's a very strong force, but it also has the ability to make us look very foolish. I heard the other day about a man talking about his eight-year-old son. The husband and wife were having a very elegant dinner party, and while the guests were arriving and being seated in the living room, suddenly the man and the wife turned around and, and they saw their eight-year-old son walking down amidst the guest, trying to balance a feather on his nose. All of us go through life trying to balance all sorts of feathers on our noses, all for the same reason, so that other people will notice us appreciate us. The things we mortals do to scream silently and sometimes not so silently, the same desire we all have. Notice me. Notice me. You want other people to treat you with appreciation. Third, most normal people want to be treated with forgiveness. There's not a person in this room, there's not a person who ever, ever has lived, is living, or will live, save Jesus Christ. 
that has not done something, said something, for which there is a need for forgiveness. Though it is hard for us to admit it, and though most of us are so stubborn we don't want to ask for it, there's not one of us who does not want to be treated with forgiveness. And also, psychologists say a fourth thing is attentiveness. That's what you want other people to give to you, their attention. Have you ever noticed as a third party two other people talking with one another? Try it sometime when you're bored at the party. Watch two people. You don't listen to each other. Usually the one who is supposed to be listening is thinking up what he's going to say when the person who is speaking is finished so that he can have time to know what he's going to say when he's supposed to be listening. We talk at one another, about one another, but not to each other. And yet each one of us has that desire to have people to listen to us. You see, when you listen to me, not just out of politeness, but out of love, you give to me an opportunity that only communication can give. It enables me to open up, to share some of my deepest feelings, to allow you to be a sounding board. Really, it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree. You give me your ear, and when you give me your ear, you give me confidence. And when I have confidence, that is what brings about my creativity. You cannot be creative without confidence. And confidence comes when you know people are willing to listen. That's communication. All of us have the desire to be listened to. And the fifth thing, we want to be understood. We don't mind being criticized, but we want to be understood. It, we are even with people want to find fault. But please, find fault with me as an individual. I want to be understood as an individual. Yes, I am a product of my heredity, my environment, my hang-ups, and so are you. Please understand me not the way you want to, but the way I am. We all want that. We want to be understood as an individual. And that's the fifth thing that most psychologists agree is a desire that each one of us wants to receive from other people. So when you understand the golden rule, before you can do unto others, you, you have to know what you want others to do unto you. Make sure you know what you want others to do unto you. And this teaching of Jesus also requires that we do some remembering, not only knowing how we want other people to treat us, 
but that we remember something which seems awfully hard for some of us to remember. And namely is this, the feelings that I have and how I want you to treat me. <laughs> They're identical to the desires that other people have as to how they want to be treated. We get so bound up in our personal relations sometimes, and, and I'm convinced that the reason we do is because we don't think. For some reason or another, I guess it's because of our selfishness, that seems to be the cause of so many of our problems, but we seem to forget that other people have the same desires that we do. Most people, unless they're terribly sick in mind or awfully selfish in heart, most people want the same thing that you want. Makes no difference how old they are, where they live, what hour of the day, no matter what color the skin, no matter how great their education, how much money they make, no matter what church they go to. They want to be treated the same way you want to be treated. So that's how we forget that. We get to thinking that we alone are the ones that should be treated the way we want to be treated. You don't live by the golden rule. If you're going to see it work, it requires not only that you know how you want other people to treat you, but that you remember. Remember that other people want to be treated exactly the same way. It requires one other thing here, which sometimes we overlook. It requires that we know and remember and it also requires that we do unto others before they do unto us. You see, this teaching of Jesus really was not unique in one sense. Long before Jesus, Confucius, Plato, the Old Testament writers, they, they taught somewhat the same principle, though they taught it in its negative form. Do not, they said, do not do unto others those things that you do not want them to do unto you. But you see, strictly negative. It just merely meant that you did unto others nothing. <laughs> just don't do anything that will hurt them. And then along comes Jesus, and he states this not in the negative, but in the positive. Do what you want others to do unto you. It is not just enough to say, I will not hurt my brother. You must say, what can I do to help my brother? And though the word isn't exactly there, the idea is there, and Jesus expects you to do it first. And that's the problem. Most of us are willing to treat our brothers as ourselves, if first our brother treats us the way we want to be treated, but that's not what Jesus is saying. 
If you look at this particular principle, rule, law, call it what you want, Jesus called it a law, you'll find in Luke it is not where Matthew puts it at the conclusion of teachings on prayer before he starts talking about the narrow gate. In Luke, it is placed right in the middle of Jesus' teaching on how to treat your enemy. Those who do not do unto you what you want them to do. That's the whole idea. That's what makes it unique. That's what makes it Christian. That's what makes it the law and the prophets. That, what, that is what makes this particular simple, single teaching. The unique thing in the religion of the Christian faith that you are willing to do first under others, you would want them to do under you. You see, that's where you get so mixed up. You really know how to treat other people, and most of the time, though we would like to think it's the case it is not, we do not forget that other people want to be treated like ourselves. But it's our stubbornness, our selfishness. We do not want to be the first to have to break over and do unto him before he does unto us. And that's the whole point. Jesus was not afraid to be first. And even when they were nailing him on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And the person who has caught the favor of Jesus Christ is not afraid to be first in being under others. So the next time you're in the midst of a personal problem in your relationship with other people, diagnose the problem. Is it because you don't know? Is it because you haven't thought? Or is it because you don't care to be first? And like Jesus. Diagnose before you treat. That's healthy medicine. Amen. Father, you get so mixed up in our human relations. Forgive us. But not only forgive us. Give us the courage to straighten them out the way Jesus teaches is the law and the way to straighten them out. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.